welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 47. In today's episode, I chat with the amazing Christine Watkins. She is a wife, a mother, a Catholic speaker and author. She's written several books, some you may have heard of, Of Men and Mary, How Six Men Won the Greatest Battle of Their Lives. She's written Transfigured, which details Patricia Sandoval's story of drugs, homelessness and uh, Planned Parenthood. She's written Full of Grace, where her personal story is detailed. She's also written Mary's Mantle's Consecration, um, which is a spiritual retreat for for heaven's help. And in a few weeks' time, I am going to encourage all of you, all my listeners, all the women in my life, to join me in consecrating ourselves to Our Lady. Um, If 2020 has taught me anything at all, that is, I need all the help I can get cannot do this journey on my own so I encourage you all to do it with me I'll put more details in my um, on my Instagram posts and on the uh, podcast she's also written a book called The Warning which she will go into detail in at the end of the podcast it's testimonies and prophecies of the illumination of conscience and I'm just going to leave it here with a um, quote by Dr. Mark Miraval He is an internationally renowned theologian, author, and editor of over 20 books. He's a permanent deacon, and he's the St. John Paul II Chair of Mariology at the University of Steubenville. Um, He says, The reality of a potential upcoming warning or God-given global examination of conscience is substantially confirmed within the church's mystical tradition, as well as through numerous contemporary prophetic voices within the church. Christine Watkins's The Warning should be widely read and discerned seriously with an open mind. So with that, I encourage you to listen right to the end. If you have any concerns um, or uh, want to know more, I've put all the relevant uh, places that you can look in the show notes. There are a couple of websites there. Um, Share it with your friend. It's really important that this message gets out if if and when it happens um, I don't know I don't pretend to know Uh, all I want to do is inform you so um, enjoy the podcast and uh, I'll see you in a few weeks time when we start our mantle Mary's mantle consecration bye Today, I would love to welcome to the podcast, Christine Watkins, who is a wife, mother, Catholic author and speaker, but long before that, you were somebody else. (laughs) I would love to hear your story. This podcast, we look at stories, mainly women's stories and how um, God has come through for them. And yours intrigued me to no end. I my mother told me about your YouTube videos and I was um, I was cooking and cleaning and everything that happens on a day off. It's not really a day off. And I think I, listen, I binge listened to all your um, YouTube channel episodes in one foul swoop and I was captivated by you. So I would love you to share your story to, with all my listeners on the podcast. So would you like to start by introducing yourself? So I'm Christine Watkins. I live in California in the United States, and I was a huge sinner, and that's kind of my claim to fame. So I remember being introduced in this Marian conference, and everyone was mentioned by their degrees and their accomplishments, and then I was mentioned, and they mentioned all my sins. (laughs) I I love it. I love it already. Yeah, it was great. It was very, um, made me want to run up there and uh, reveal myself. So that's actually what God has asked me to do over and over and over again. And here, this podcast is another example of that, because 
Um, well, I was just talking with Jessica before we were recording, and I didn't know that y'all in Australia didn't show your feelings, didn't pull out your dirty laundry, didn't pour your skeletons out of the closet. Um, here not in very the U frequently. Not very frequently. So how exciting it is for you <laughs> to hear someone like me who is forced by God to share her dirty laundry over and over and over again. And uh, it's an important thing. Actually, I write a lot of, I've written a lot of books and Almost in every book, there are stories of people's deepest secrets and, and their shame and their past and things that they've done and thought that people do think and people do do that they keep hidden. And uh, the devil likes to hide. And the more he's hidden, the more he acts. And so revealing these things and hearing someone else reveal them is healing. It exposes the darkness and the, like it says in Ephesians, darkness exposed becomes light. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that's why God has me share this because someone else can say me too, or, or they can see themselves in someone else's brokenness. And as a human being, of course, I'll be forever broken. I think in heaven is when I'll be knit together completely. Uh, but I was definitely a broken bird, uh, and and I would say that my brokenness now is a bad day. Back then, it was like living a nightmare. Uh, mm. There's 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 no no comparison to what brokenness feels like or means when it comes to being saved or unsaved. There's a there's a big difference when somebody makes a choice to live for God. When somebody knows there's they're loved by God life suddenly has color and meaning and purpose. And I remember thinking to myself, my gosh, if, if my arm was chopped off, if I was in a ditch, if I had no more family, if, if I was in terrible pain, I mean, you think of the worst of the worst, I would still have hope and I would still love God. And I, I, I can't say that for sure because those things haven't happened to me yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully they won't happen all at once. <laughs> wait, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, wait a few more minutes and see how the show goes. No. <laughs> but, uh, but this, the the spirit, when the spirit inside the body is alive, the spirit, that part of the human being realizes that that's all that matters. Hmm. That's all that matters, that the spirit's going to live on and that heaven is promised to those who love God and their neighbor and follow his will and so what what could go wrong in the end so that's just a huge consolation for me but I began with a family that told me there was no God and so I believed that I didn't want to believe that it kind of set me up for existential angst I remember being very little and I was maybe about eight years old and I would have these crushing thoughts that when I died I'd be nothing there'd you know, I, I wouldn't be anymore. The thing that was me would not exist and wouldn't know that I even once was. So I'd have these existential thoughts at age eight because I was told the quote unquote truth by my parents that I, I live and then I die and that's it. And so I was trying to figure it out. And when I think about it, I'd be filled with dread and I actually felt a presence, something pressing me into the bed at night around my chest area around my heart area just pushing me down and it, it was it was very terrifying so so scared I called out for my mom and I said mom mom come here and I asked her what happens when we die and she said well honey you know you'll you'll go into the earth and and you you know you'll nurture a tree and it's the cycle of life and I'm thinking are you kidding me? Like decomposition is is the best hope you can offer me. So, and then she said, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. And I thought, don't worry. Don't think. I mean, really? So eat, being eaten by, I mean, I thought I should be so lucky to be buried next to a tree. You know, what if there's yeah. no tree? Then what's the point then? <laughs> Why is this tree so important? So I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> um, so I, you know, when there's a, 
when God's not filling the depths of our soul and he can't fill it when we don't know he exists and we're not mm-hmm. praying and that was me, we fill it with something else. And because we all were, cre- were created in God's image, so if we're not filled with God, we're going to try to stuff it with something else, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was ballet, and I loved ballet, and I practiced it diligently for years, and I started dancing professionally with the San Francisco Ballet Company, and I loved the musicality of it and the physicality, and I loved dancing on the wide expanse of the Opera House stage. But I ended up getting injured, and that not only took away my career, but it took away the God, the only God I really knew. And I grew depressed and I lost hope. And in my sadness, I turned to intimate relationships for comfort. And I fell deeper and deeper and deeper into very, very serious sin. And I felt temporarily filled with some kind of life uh, when I was in a relationship. But when that relationship inevitably failed, I was left with a larger, empty, lonely hole inside of me. And I was always looking outside myself for someone or something to bring me peace. Because sin takes away our peace. Mm. There is no peace in sin. There's an agitation in the soul. And it seeks alcohol. It seeks sexual pleasure. It seeks drugs. It seeks um, entertainment something to escape the yucky feeling inside. And so I never, ever thought once to change my behavior. And one summer I ended up very, very sick. And it turns out I had cervical cancer and I had little time left to live. And my hair was falling out and I was bleeding internally and I couldn't keep food down. And I didn't even have enough energy to walk across the street. And worse than being so, so sick inside my body, I was sick inside my soul. So at times I would just cry out like this guttural, painful despair would rise up in me. And these tears and this angst and this rage would come out and it would just be a floodgate of pain. And it wasn't the kind of, I was, I've been a grief counselor in hospice for 10 years, and it wasn't the kind of pain that you gush out and then you feel, oh, I needed to release that. Now I feel better. Hmm. It was a, it was despair. So that once the floodgate opened, it wouldn't stop and it, it they weren't consoling or healing tears at all. And I would, didn't want anything to do with Jesus or Mary because I'd been told and maybe not directly, but in different ways that Christianity was a fairy tale. It was silly. My dad, for instance, uh, one Easter, he wore a decaled shiny shirt of Jesus's face. And there's a Mexican-American or Mexican tradition where it's kind of a shiny decal thing. And so Mm. it was Jesus doing this and it was a joke. So Jesus was a joke. And so for me, I was searching new age, so I wasn't going to go near Christianity. I I didn't know the difference in denominations. I didn't know the difference between Catholicism, Protestantism, had no clue. And I just knew I wasn't going there. And I looking. (laughs) Don't worry. Do you you have that same ring in Australia? (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Terrible. Do you edit these? I can. Do you edit these? I can. Okay, let's hold off. Yeah. I I would reach. So I was looking into the New Age movement for answers. And the New Age, it promised me nirvana and hope and healing. And I wasn't going to go anywhere near Christianity because that was a fairy tale. They didn't know what they were doing. I... I remember in high school, I was so embarrassed by Christians. My friend was in a relationship with a guy and I went over, I was never, I was shy and never invited to any parties. So it was maybe the only party I ever went to and he had his guitar and he sat down and he was singing a song to Jesus after she broke up with him. And I just wanted to die for him. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You're 
singing to Jesus? That's who you're turning to for comfort? That is so sad. For for me, the way I was raised, it was equal to singing to Tinkerbell. You know, now we found Tinkerbell. Now we're going to be okay. And then, uh, oh, gosh, there was... The, there were these lovely, lovely youth singing outside a rest home to the elderly songs to Jesus. And once again, I wanted to die. You know, it's so embarrassing to me. So my spirit uh, rejected Jesus as a joke, really. But the new age with all its false promises attracted me. And I don't know, do you have much new age going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people, it is such a trap. It is it is such a nightmare. It's going to promise you a lot of things and leave you with nothing or worse. Hmm. And so all of it, crystals and tarot cards. I was into um, Eastern gurus and shamanic meditations and uh, Reiki. Oh, Reiki's the worst. It actually channels darkness. It channels demons. Um, I, I would, I would, I bought, I could give you stories about Reiki later if you'd like to hear. It's very, very dangerous. Um, You got to understand that if there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like Jessica and I believe, and if he gave us Jesus and his church, which I believe he founded the Catholic Church, it's the church that Jesus founded, all other denominations were founded by a person. And the Catholic Church was founded by our Lord. And if God has come to earth to help us, heal us, save us, and bring us home to heaven, and if there is a devil who wants to keep that from happening, then he's going to be a counterfeit. He's going to copy. He's Hmm. going to copy. He'll do the beads of the 60s instead of the rosary beads. He'll do the amulets and the, the crystals instead of the cross around the neck. He'll, he'll do things that say, no, 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 just rub this rock rather than hold this crucifix, and that'll be your comfort. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave you empty in the end. And if, you, if you're listening to this and you're trying a New Age practice and you think that it's working for you, I, I would offer you a challenge. In your heart of hearts, in your soul of soul, can you really say, Eureka, I've found it. I have found the pearl of great price, and I will die for this thing I found. I, I have found the one true hope in life, and nothing can take it away from me. Or can you look back at a string of disappointments if you're truly honest with yourself? If you're really honest and you look at all the different practices, have you really achieved what you wanted? inwardly or outwardly so that's a challenge i want to bring because i think if a person's in the new age movement there's a lot of pain there Mm -hmm. if they're honest with themselves and a lot of seeking but not finding Mm -hmm. and so for me that was what i was involved in over and over again something you know a different kind of new age practice would offer me a carrot and i'd grab it with hope and i'd end up with nothing so one summer i ended up with cervical cancer and I had little time left to live and as I mentioned my soul was in agony and at that time I wasn't going to share this part but I might as well it was a friend who helped save me and um, my first book which is called full of grace all of this in much more detail full of grace miraculous stories of healing and conversion through Mary's intercession that tells the whole story, but I had a friend, Joseph, and I That's was That's an amazing a, name. Yeah. <laughs> There's no coincidence there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he, he was on the East Coast. I lived on the West Coast of the United States. He was, no, but I was visiting, I was living for a time on the East Coast, but he, I knew him from back home in California on the West Coast, and, um, he called me one day, he was a friend, and he was very reluctant to speak. And he said, Christine, you have to pray for me because I'm having a hard time talking. Something's blocking me from talking to you. And he said, will you pray for me? I didn't know what prayer was. Prayer meant nothing to me, so I, I didn't understand that at all. 
But I, I said, I just tried to use encouraging words. I didn't know how to do that as a secular humanist. So you didn't know why he was calling you? No. He just called not yet. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, he, he knew why, but he was yeah. trying to get something out. Yeah. And so he finally did with encouragement and said, Christine, I have had a vision of you at night waking me up every night for the past six weeks saying, help me, show me who you really are. Help me, show me who you really are. And at this time, my soul, as I mentioned, was crying out for help for something I didn't know what. I went to a Reiki, quote unquote, healing workshop. And after that, I felt almost, I felt crushed. I felt a little bit crazy. Like I, I went back in the car and I felt like the life left me rather than being healed. And I started rocking back and forth, just saying, hold me, help me, hold me, help me, not even knowing who I was talking to. I was in a really bad state. And so he says, yeah, it was you at night waking me up saying, help me, show me who you really are. And he started taking that as a metaphorical message. So he started helping old ladies across the street, like, I'll help her, I'll help her. I don't know, I'm helping women. But then I would show up in this vision and say, no, help me, show me who you really are. So he finally broke down and called me because of this. He said, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm supposed to help you. So he starts to talk to me about God, and I don't even remember what he said, but I do remember the feeling. I started to feel light and airy and happy and expansive, like a big float, like just all the pain in my body went away. I was happy, and I said, what is going on? This is beautiful. What am I sensing? And he said, Christine, you're being saved. I didn't know what that meant. I said, well, sounds good. I don't. <laughs> and then um, we realized that I was to meet, at least talk with him again. He said, okay. And I was house sitting at the time on the East Coast, uh, just feeling very sick. And he said, oh, well, I'll call you back again at this number. And he gave me the number he called. And I said, Joseph, I'm not at that number. I'm at a different house right now. Hmm. He said, well, this is the only number I have for you, and this is the number I called. Wow. So, so God routed the call to me on a landline. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, so you were dying of cervical cancer at this stage? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know it, though. I didn't have oh, okay. That. I wasn't aware of why I was so very sick. I knew mm -hmm. that I couldn't keep food down. I, I was bleeding internally, just really bad shape. But I I didn't know. But mm -hmm. I learned and later. And spiritually dead. <laughs> well, you didn't torment. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, spiritual torment as as bad as the body can be, which is horrible. People live in terrible, terrible, terrible pain. But to uh, be in spiritual torment, which can lead to an eternity of torment, and mm. that's incomparable, right? So I went to the West Coast. We realized I should be near Joseph. We didn't quite know how he was supposed to help me, but at that point we knew he was supposed to do something. And, yeah, I usually don't tell this part, so I guess your listeners can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up on the West Coast, and I'm, you know, he's a friend, we're chased and everything, I'm, I'm lying down, he doesn't know what to do, and so he goes out to the ocean, the Pacific Coast, and he's saying, God, what, what do you want me to do, how can I help Christine, and suddenly this force from on top of him just rushes him from above and starts to push him into the sand. He said it was so heavy and horrible. It felt like a house was on top of him, crushing him down, about to kill him. And then he got, he saw uh, different temptations, like, Joseph, I'll give you all this wealth if you just follow me. And then he'd say no. 
and then this force would get really mad at him and crush him. And then he saw this beautiful woman saying, come to me, I'm, I'm your woman. And he reached out to her as though she was the Virgin Mary. He didn't know who she was. And she grew a fang and then screamed. And he, he had some experience, not unlike perhaps what Jesus suffered in the temptations in the desert. It was one thing after another. And he kept saying no. And then uh, this screeching demon thing, he didn't know at that time that demons were real or that they could exist outside of human beings. He thought that humanity in it in its psyche could have problems, but he didn't understand dem- demons. He didn't understand the presence of Satan until that happened to him. And then this grotesque being, after enough times of saying no, realized it wasn't going to influence Joseph, and it sc- with a screech was pulled across the ocean and away into the horizon. Horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, across the water. And then he looked down on the sand around him, and he looked up and saw a couple stare at him and, and look askance, a little worried, and then run away. And then he looked down at his skin, and it was had blood. He had sweat blood from the stress of that encounter. Wow. Yeah. So Joseph so, is a practicing Catholic. I, Joseph is, Christian. yeah. I don't yep. know if he would have survived if he wasn't. No. <laughs> no. So I'm thinking he'd have no idea what on earth was happening to him, but he was a, he, he's he a practicing was, Catholic. Yes, he was a faithful right. Catholic, just uh-huh. unaware of certain teachings, obviously. Uh-huh. He told me uh-huh. he was unaware of um, that Jesus, when he says in scripture, when he casts out demons, when he talks about it, he's not lying. <laughs> it's not hypothetical. Yeah. And so I, at the same time that he was being attacked, I went for a walk outside in a California town and I looked around and creation was scintillating. It was as though the, tr- the leaves on trees were illuminated from within and creation was so beautiful. And inside, I felt, my body felt like perhaps a man on the moon might feel. Like instead of moving my legs, I felt like my legs were being lifted. I felt a lightness of being, I guess I would say. And I learned later that Hildegard of Bingen, St. Hildegard said, all of creation is on fire with the love of God. And so I honestly feel like I saw that and perhaps felt it. So the same time all my demons left me to attack him, I was left with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so we came back and sat and he looked at me and he said, Christine, what have you been doing? He didn't know me. He knew me as a friend, but I, um, I was rather Australian. I didn't share <laughs> <laughs> my skeletons, but my skeletons were so many that they had dragged me close to hell in this life. This constant sexual sin and new age involvement had demonized me to the point where I wanted nothing to do with Jesus or Mary. You, you, you could tell from the way I mentioned my reaction to Jesus that it was a, uh, it was a laughing matter. Hmm. So I end up with Joseph, and he is praying for me. And I was just feeling, I was getting more and more sick to the point of just lying there. And he was praying for me, and I felt this beautiful presence around me and within me this expansive peace and then I heard a loud pop inside my body and I said Joseph what was that what happened to me just now this beautiful expansive peace came over me and he said Christine I was in prayer just now mother Mary came she took pity on you and asked her son to save you. And in that moment, the cancer was just gone. I began to heal, and I was given my life and my soul back in one moment. 
And I had always hated Jesus and Mary. I'd hated their images. I'd hated their names. And all they did was just love me. Mm. How beautiful. How beautiful. The the mercy that they have for us is, if only we knew. It's It's unfathomable. It's unreal. It it goes beyond... Mm. You, yeah, yeah you need to imagine. You can. You need to hear a story like that from someone who is has actually lived a story like that to actually uh, comprehend or or try to comprehend that it's real and and his mercy exists. That's gorgeous. So then, what happened? <laughs> so this wasn't <laughs> was was this on the same day as the beach? You know, I was trying to remember. It's in the book. I was I was closer to the events when I wrote the book. Um, <laughs> I know it kind of blurs. It, you know, <laughs> it all time. blurs. Yes. Um, I'll have to get back to you on the sequence right. of events. Um, <laughs> I'll but read I do, the book. <laughs> read the books full of grace, miraculous mm-hmm. stories of healing and conversion through Mary's intercession. Mm-hmm. So, so. Where do you do you start praying? Like what happens next? So were you praying so, at that point or not? You were just enjoying I, I euphoria. Yeah, euphoria. I didn't know what prayer was. I still uh-huh. and I remember Joseph asking me at one point, you know, do you pray? And I said, What's that? And he looked at me and he just had a really hard time understanding how someone could live without prayer. And I had a really hard time understanding what the heck that was. It was just such a foreign concept. And at that time, every once in a while, he'd get a message for me. Um, It was really interesting. One was Mary came to him again and said, tell her to pray the rosary. And that way I can most help her. And I didn't pray it for like seven years. (laughs) I just, I found it boring and repetitive and what a brat. And (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I mean, really, like she does that for me. And then, but I, I now understand how to pray it. I, and I pray it a lot. Um, I try to pray it nightly. Our family tries to pray a, a nightly rosary, even if the kids, I have three boys are um, throwing it like a lasso and tumbling yeah. upside down. We still try. And um, maybe we can talk about that later, but meditating on the mysteries and going into the mystery with the Lord and letting it unfold in your imagination is such a, such a beautiful way to experience it. And the devil can't get into that. Each mystery is a moment inside and outside of time. So when we step into the Annunciation or the Visitation or the Ascension, or the finding Jesus in the temple, whatever mystery it is, we actually go into that moment in time. And the devil hated that moment. And he can't touch it, and he can't touch you, and he can't touch what you're praying for when you enter into that mystery. So it truly is a way of, well, it's the greatest prayer next to the Holy Mass. It's a and weapon. It's, it's truly whip Satan back into hell and... Uh, and so I didn't know at the time why she asked me to pray that in particular. But um, truly having learned so much about it since then, I understand, yeah, that really was her. And she really was trying to reach me and help me. But I did want to learn, uh, you know, who is this Jesus? Who is this Mary? What just happened to me? I love you. I don't know who you are. And so I went to theology school. And I loved it. It was three years I studied in an MDiv program. And I was with seminarians. And I felt like a kid in a candy shop, you know, learning about scripture. And and so here I am, this wacky convert who, who's just so excited and can't understand why everyone else isn't so exci- as excited <laughs> as I was about this Catholicism thing. Like, Do you know what you have is the best thing ever? Aren't we all so happy to be here? So I was a, I was an obnoxious convert. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really... I mean, I found the pearl of great price and it's not that life doesn't bring suffering and Jesus promised um, that in this life we would have troubles, but, but, um, but he with, 
with us would always help us to overcome. And so, as I mentioned at the beginning of my story, I feel like since that very moment when I was healed and saved, uh, life, instead of being gray and, and having despair, always, even if, even if it's a depressing day or everything goes wrong, there's an impenetrable hope and an impenetrable knowing and an impenetrable relationship that I, I just am standing on a rock mm-hmm. and that rock isn't going to leave me. And he's, he's everything. So anything I've ever done since then, poorly or well, has been, been to try to give back to Jesus and Mary what they gave to me. Oh, beautiful. Can you, what was that quote from, um, who is someone of Bingham? What's her name? Saint Hildegard. Hildegard is she Bingham. a saint? Mm-hmm. Saint Hildegard of She's Bingham. She's a German saint. She was, uh, I, I should read more about her actually. She's, she was a very, she was an abbess, I believe, and multi-talented. She had many visions. They were mm-hmm. very and they were written down, and she was well, very gifted in terms of knowing about herbs and natural medicines and, and so forth. Wow. What was that quote she said about everything turning um, illuminated? All, all of creation is on fire with the love of God. Because when you said that, I, um, my kind of reversion happened actually literally on top of a rock. Really? On Air, oh my on, goodness! On Ayers Rock, which is a big rock, a, a sacred rock to the um, Indigenous Australians, the Aboriginals in the middle of Australia, I can tell it tell you another day if you want. But I mm. was petrified. I'm, I'm scared of heights, and it is a kilometre in the air. That's how high up it is. Nine hundred and something metres high. This rock, and you climb it. My husband and I wanted to climb it before. Um, that it's now closed. You can't climb it anymore. Um, so we went a few years ago to climb the rock before they closed it. And I had my my moment on top of the rock because I was petrified, absolutely petrified. And I thought, like, it, once you get to the part, the side of it, then it's all undulating, and you have to climb. And there are no railings. There's nothing. It's quite frightening for me, who's scared of heights. Anyway, my husband was ahead of me, you know, walking, and I was, I had a moment where my shoes were starting to slip. And I st- I thought, oh my gosh, this is awful. I got down on the onto the rock. I'm holding the rock. And I um I had in my head the script, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do everything. I don't I don't even know what the verse is. That's what, and it kept going in my head and I thought oh my goodness with with God I can do anything I can actually my my shoes were slipping down the rock and then I stood up and I basically ran the rest of like I was walking on air like you said I was just kind of and from that moment on everything was illuminated like the the sky the plants the earth, it was incredible. I was walking around like you with my jaw to the ground for the next two days. I just thought, this is beautiful. And I fell in love with God because of nature. Like he spoke to me through the nature. It was, I couldn't get enough of it. It was like my eyes had been opened. And I'm a cradle Catholic. And I was like, what you just said, just that's what it was. There was a lightness of being and everything was just, bright it was beautiful I can't explain and 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 that was where the podcast came from I'd like to say because that night I couldn't sleep because I was just totally awake like my body had been reawakened that's kind of what it was Um, I wasn't going to tell that part I never tell that part of my story oh well there you go when you said that I thought that's what I had it was like my goodness it was like I wasn't even walking. It was like he was carrying. Like I was, uh-huh. I was, I wasn't were, stepping. Uh, the way the way I say it is, I was being walked. 
Yes, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. I was being walked to the top because I couldn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. I will never forget it. But you, you put words to how I how it was, if that makes sense. How beautiful. When you were slipping, was your life in danger or were you just scared? Yes, I would have died. No, I, like in my head, I thought I was going to die. But there are no, my shoes were slipping. They were, they'd were lost their grip. slipping at a point where you could fa fall off a cliff? Yes. Oh yes. Oh my goodness. I didn't like it was, catch that. I'll have to show, you'll have to, I'll, you can't see it because you can't go up there anymore. But there, are, it's, it's, it's a rock and it's quite slippery-ish. And there are no barricades. There's nothing. You're. It's just you up the top, and and lots I imagine of people, people died. died, and that's yeah. why they stopped. Yeah. Oh. Well, they stopped it for um, because the Aboriginal people, it's their sacred ground, and we were just stepping on it. Um, yeah. But I have never felt so grounded in my faith than walking on the uh, on Ayers Rock, which is the heart of Australia. Wow. It, we're, we're the land of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Anyway, go back to your story. Your story is much more interesting than mine. No, it's not, right, people? I wish we could get a vote. I win, I win. I saw no, no, in a vision. <laughs> You're lying. You have to go to <laughs> Shoot. Um, well, no, it gets boring after that. Um, so... I basically was shot out of a cannon and asked to, you know, realized I was called to serve. And I worked in hospice ministry, uh, well, a job as a grief counselor and a social worker for 10 years. And I got a theology degree and then a social welfare degree. And then I worked in post-abortion healing for 10 years uh, as, a, as a director and did retreats and Bible studies. And then uh, God just started having me write books and give retreats and give talks around the country. So one book after another came out of me. And I certainly never planned on being a writer, but most of them have become um, bestsellers. And I think that's because I really, well, I, I'll, I'll spend eight years on a book. I really want it to be the best it can be. And so there's a consecration to Mary called Mary's Mantle Consecration that's going around the world. I'll put uh, all these books in the show notes. So, so oh, okay. Mary, yeah. Consecration and, to Mary. Uh, so it's called Mary's Mantle Consecration and the prayer journal that goes with it. And then okay. uh, I saw you have the warning book. That's the one that um, is going like crazy around the world right now it's um everybody's asking for that one it's called the warning testimonies and prophecies of the illumination of conscience i'd like to get into that a little bit if we can after you've gone through yeah. all your books and of men and mary how six men won the greatest battle of their lives that's one of my favorites it's so much fun um you know, women always want to change their man. Just don't talk to them. Just give them the book of Men and Mary. By oh, Christine really? Watkins. I'm serious. Yeah. All right. Those conversions of men and women love the book, too. It's so, you know, it, when a man realizes how much his mother loves him, anything mm -hmm. can happen. Right. Um, and Transfigured, the Patricia Sandoval story. So oh. my friend Patricia Sandoval is a pro-life um and chastity speaker and her story is unbelievable father don is calloway she, is she the lady on the street was she a heroin addict or yeah yeah meth, meth addict yeah yes i have i have read that oh you have yes okay. i have That's yeah beautiful. what did what did you think of her story incredible mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. incredible and i think it's, more of these stories have to get out that it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't no. matter what no what you th who you think you are no he is a he's above that and he's there is that. you at the table and and there's really only one person we have to please in this life there's only one and and he doesn't look at our past he looks at what we're trying to do now hmm. so and if we don't accept his mercy and we say i'm too i'm too much of a sinner i'm so sorry then he went to the cross for nothing hmm. That's really saying, you know, thanks for that, but that didn't really do much for me. 
Mm. Well, if we really knew, oh my gosh, what he did out of love for us, how much he loves us. Just read the passion that he dictated to servant of God, Larissa Picaretta. And it's even, it's worse than what's shown in the movie, The Passion by Mel Gibson. What Jesus went through is, is un, actually unspeakable. Mm. Yeah. So his love is not something that we can really understand. So if he's willing to do that just for one person, he would do that for me. He would do that for you. He would do that for every individual listener just for you. You'd go mm. through hell just so that you could rise up in his arms and be with him in paradise one day, no matter what you've done. Mm. So, yes, we have to repent, though. We have to fall in love with him and say, yes, let me be the way you want me to be. And that does mean living the commandments and living the teachings of the church, even if you don't believe them. (laughs) Even if you disagree, you still have to live them because you, I, anyone will suffer the consequences of not living them, whether we want to or not, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll yeah. suffer. And he doesn't want us to suffer for the wrong reason. No. But when you understand his love for you, suffering like that kind of makes sense. Or it, it's not as we think it, we suffer, we fear suffering more than actually suffering. Yes. The fear of suffering is, um, so, you know, one story that this nun uh, in Medjugorje says, she says, you know, when we're filled with anxiety and fear, it's often because we're replaying in our mind something that hasn't happened yet that we fear would happen, that 99% chance will not happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so this woman, her whole life was so afraid of her husband dying before her. Oh, no, you know, what will I do without my husband, my husband? you know, years and years of this daily worry, and then she dies first. <laughs> you know what? It's such a wasted... Yeah, yeah. It's a waste of time, and it's very hard for us to, to catch ourselves and say, wait a minute, Jesus said, do not worry, do not fear. Hold on, what what am I worried about? Mm. And he's always there to catch us. Hands, how many times is hand... Um, repeated in the Bible like he he wants to hold us take us by the hand you know heal us with his hands it's he's so relational we just have to reach I find we have to just reach up and not look down yeah all right your story is amazing and I will read it in full of grace is that right yes okay I'll buy that let's get on to your latest book the warning I couldn't put it down. I was, should I say I was frightened? I don't know whether I was frightened, more I was encouraged. It is, it's, it's a warning, but it's actually a book of hope and mercy. Is that what you would, would you like to just explain your book <laughs> before I do? Because I'll mark well, it up. Are you sure? I'm kind of wanting to hear it. <laughs> um, well, yes, that's the the general con, um, reception of the book is lots of hope and lots yeah. of mercy. Uh, so saints and mystics throughout time since the 1500s, they have spoken and been told by God about a moment in time. And and this is going to sound rather fantastic and unbelievable until you realize, wait a minute, uh, the church approved apparitions at He Germany around World War II to four little girls. The Maria Speranza of the church approved apparitions of Batania, Venezuela. Pope Paul... Um, or, or rather Pope Pius the Ninth, and you have um, Father Gobi of the Marian Movement of Priests, you have Matthew Kelly, you have Lusta Maria de Bonilla, whose writings have received the imprimatur, you have Jaina Garza, who has the support of her bishop, you have on and on and on and on, all these people, different countries, different times, different places, been told the same thing, St. Faustina Kowalska, of a moment in time when everyone on earth 
will be shown their sins. And it will happen when Jesus appears in the sky. St. Faustina was shown a cross in the sky. And from the wounds where Jesus was nailed, bright rays of light will light up the sky and the earth and pierce every human soul. And time will stop. And everyone within the span of about five, ten minutes will get a life review. And this is a correction of the conscience of the world for a humanity that's gone astray, that's lost sight of God, that's lost sight of its conscience and its understanding of who Jesus is and what sin is. So after this moment, no one can say there isn't a God. No one can say, I don't know what sin is. No one can say, I don't know what mine are. So everyone in this illumination moment will know where they would go if they were to die in that moment, heaven, purgatory, or hell. Because we're actually, all of us, living in that state, whether it's heaven, purgatory, or hell, inwardly on earth. If we were to die right now, we would cross over into that place. And so what's missing isn't so much is the knowledge of where we would go. We could kind of intuit, I think. Yeah. But but what's missing is the feeling. Like people on earth right now are in hell. Uh, If they were to die, that's where they'd go. Uh, What's missing is the feeling of hell. So people will feel what it's like, what their state is like and so what's scary for anyone is that if a person thinks they're doing everything right and living in good conscience but they're breaking and they're in mortal sin which is they're breaking the commandments and they're unrepentant they may not live through it but even their death and that will be an emotional shock because not only do we see our sins but we see the repercussions of our sins what it did through you know to so and so and when then what that person did to so and so and the ripple effect of it but a person in mortal sin is going to be so shocked and they those sins that we confess in the sacrament of reconciliation will be experienced differently we'll still see them but not with the kind of shock or pain that we would those that were not repentant for. So even a person's death, though, if they're steeped in very, very serious sin, will be a mercy because you talked about the hands. And in that moment of dying, Jesus will extend his hand and that person will now know and be able to choose. Mm -hmm. So for those who love God and love their neighbor and love the church, they have nothing to fear absolutely nothing to fear it's just it will be a cleansing of those little pieces that may have turned to still be hardened in heart or turned away from god a little bit and what what i love about the warning and we're all going to experience something like this at death anyway it's not like we can escape it everyone this is this is what happens at death we have a face-to-face encounter with god and we see ourselves in all truth Mm -hmm. no one escapes that moment so our goal starting this moment and starting today is to have the life review from now on be a beautiful review, be a pleasant thing, be one that we rejoice in, right? So it's, um, it's important. It's important how we live each day. And so when we are in that state, when we are face-to-face with our Lord, um, He is going to give us that hand of mercy no matter what and it's those who are used to receiving the mercy that are going to melt into it it's it's very difficult for jesus to reach a soul that has become so hardened that it says i'm so bad i can't i'm so sorry no i can't accept that no sorry that's a very dangerous place to be in Um, He wants us to say yes, as we've mentioned in this show over and over again, how many times he reaches out his hand a thousand times today, say, I love you, I forgive you, it's okay, I love you, I forgive you, it's okay, and we're like, no, 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 you don't understand who I am, no, 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 you can't possibly, I'm so sick, I'm so gross, he's like, but I love you, (laughs) so to stretch our hearts out to say, oh, okay, you love me even when I'm 
this I or when I that, <laughs> when I've done this or I've done that. So while we still have time, it's extremely, extremely important because this warning may happen in our generation. There's two mystics who's, who have been told it will be our generation. So whether it is or whether it's not, we all have to be ready, right, at every moment to see Jesus. And, and there'll be a beautiful run to the church. People will just run into the arms of Catholicism, and we have to be ready for that, for this mass influx of people that it will cause, because people will want answers. They'll need to be catechized. There'll be mass baptisms. There'll be long lines for confession. Give the priest a sandwich. Let him escort him to the bathroom. Because priests will be mobbed. And imagine how a priest is going to feel if he's just seen his whole life and now has to hear everyone else's <laughs> life. It's not going to be a little overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, a bit overwhelming. But what a beautiful. Especially when they're not used to it. The churches are empty now. <laughs> right. They'll be so full. We'll have we'll have atheists and Buddhists and Jewish and Muslims and so many people coming to learn and to be baptized and to be catechized. So it's going to be just a, a beautiful time. Um, and to to learn more about what happens after the warning. I really recommend going to a website that myself and three theologians have put together called www.countdowntothekingdom.com. That's countdowntothekingdom.com. Also, there are some rough times ahead for humanity. We're going into a time of purification, of tribulation, and... Um, I've started queenofpeacemedia.com and we'll send out a newsletter at least once a month, maybe tw starting twice a month to to really help everyone through these times to know what to do. And I, um, I want to make an urgent appeal right now, speaking of what to do, that uh, there could be another lockdown, there could be scarcity, the supply chain of food is breaking down and um, could be clean water problems really, really urgently ask you all to store up three months of food and water for October, November, and December. Mystics are saying that as well. From different parts around the world, they're saying the same thing. And so I think we need to heed the messages from heaven. Um, heaven wants to help his remnant faithful pass through these times to keep uh -huh. the faith no matter what darkness comes into the church because we're going to see that too. We're going to see some... Maybe some teachings change that aren't from Jesus. Is there going to be mass confusion? Going to be a lot of craziness. And so hold fast to the rock. Hold fast to faith. Get some food and water. And um, keep on evangelizing, though. Don't hunker down and hide and say, well, I'm just going to take care of me. Take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. But also realize you might be taking care of others. And most of all, take care of people's souls. Because God has some beautiful things planned. He wants everyone saved. Um, he doesn't always succeed, but that's actually not his fault. <laughs> wow. That's some interesting messages there. That's amazing. Yeah, so. no, it, it gets kind of apocalyptic toward the end. I apologize, but that's actually, <laughs> that's actually the times we're in. I don't want to yeah. lie. These are the no. times we're in. I mean, yeah. I can see it. I, I, yeah. Every morning I wake up, I open the newspaper online and think, what today? <laughs> what today? What yeah. it's a mo it's it's very much a um, it's a get close to Jesus time because every day is going to be different. It's it's mm -hmm. not a new normal. It's an it's a constant changing abnormal is what I would yeah. say. Yeah, and so that's, that's a constant changing abnormal. That's so true. There's nothing not, normal, it's and it's not going to go back. And so mm -hmm. it's it's um it's human desire and understandable to think when will this pass and get things back to normal and I and I I would be lying if I told you that that's going to happen. It's a time to get close to Jesus with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, because. That is the protection that God offers you. The sacraments, prayer, fasting, penance, rosary. If you are close to God, you're going to be guided and navigated through these times as one of his disciples, mm. as one of his apostles. And that's where, that's where our safety lies. So, yeah, get some food and some water for three months, but don't think that ultimately 
saving the body does us any good. Um, yeah. we're, we're all eternal souls and eternity is our destiny. And to be guided without fear, holding that hand here, no matter what's going on, is um, it's a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful what, way to live. What about to the people that say, why are you storing up for three months when he provides? Well, this is how he's providing by what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you look at the Bible, uh, you have Noah's Ark. Um, you have Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers in the Old Testament and in Egypt. And he ends up saving his brothers because he stored up because there was a dream of famine coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And he stored up the grain. So God also uses physical things to help us. And then we also have um, Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fishes. And we also have the prophet Elijah multiplying the food of the widow over and over again, like her jar of oil, was it never mm -hmm. went dry. Mm -hmm. um, so what's interesting with these miracles, though, is that God is first taking something physical that's already there not mm. that he needs that but it's interesting that he multiplies the little bit that's there so mm -hmm. i believe you know we do our part and let's say we don't um let's say someone else is going to give us a grape and he'll multiply the grapes or whatnot but he might start with something physical to start so why not have that and and not to fear it running out because hey with the with the prayer and the heart and the then he's going to take that flour that you have in the kitchen that you stored up and he'll fill it again. I truly believe that. Wow. I cannot wait for October. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Christine. That was truly, truly, your story was absolutely beautifully um, encouraging. And um, just to know the mercy of God nobody is beyond it and um you're a living testament to that <laughs> not only you but me we all are <laughs> um but but the um the apocalyptic ending also is really <laughs> necessary like we just need to you know we we get fed everything you know other things why can't we get fed this and kind of chew on this and you know see see where it leads us yeah, I, mean, I think necessary. it would be wrong to say oh let's just do another podcast on prayer when you see the world around you collapsing i think you yep. need to mention the elephant in the room <laughs> totally yep yeah. totally and and what better place than a podcast when everyone can listen <laughs> to their own discretion and <laughs> take off if they want <laughs> Well, but read you. the warning book, the warning yeah. testimonies and prophecies of the illumination of conscience, because you'll have so much hope in what God has planned and how he plans to help save us all and, and heal us all, really. And there's an Australian in there, too. Um, right. What's his name? Um, Alan Ames. See Alan Ames. No, no, isn't. Oh, yeah, he's Australian, but also isn't. There's um, another one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about my book. <laughs> uh, what's his name Ma uh, Ma Matthew Kelly isn't he Australian as well oh my gosh yes that's right I've got two oh my gosh I've got two Australians in here yeah. you gotta be kidding me this is an Australian book the warning <laughs> testimonies and prophecies of the illumination of conscience <laughs> well thank you Christine I'll leave all those books in the show notes and the website the two websites and get your beads yeah. out. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot. So I mentioned what the warning was, but I didn't mention that there's a bunch of knock your socks off stories of people mm -hmm. who've actually experienced this illumination of their conscience within five, 10 minutes. Some who didn't even know there was a God and they're completely transformed like Charles Dickens story of Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a, a yeah. night and then they, they come out completely different person in, in love with life and in love with God. So it's very hopeful. That's why it's a book of hope, you know, yeah. of what's going to happen is so glorious. Um, and yeah. I, I was, I was, I gave it to a friend and I said, um, can you read this book? And I was explaining to him about what it was about. And he went, Oh, 
well, if that's going to happen, we'll all know some, you know, we'll all know. But I'm thinking, but don't you want to know? And then, <laughs> and then he was umming and ahhing and I said, there's lots of good conversion stories at the end. He said, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you, did you have a favorite story or was it the, uh, the I love, no, no, Marino Restrepo. Oh, yeah. And the nun. I howled. Oh, that was so beautiful. What was her name? I can't remember her name, but she was a nun. Sister Nicolina. Oh, just beautiful. I loved her humility. Um, and, you know, the Jewish lady that took her. Is she Jewish? Lutheran. Lutheran, that's right. The Lutheran lady. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Loved it. They were my two favorites. Yeah, I think those might be mine too. Oh, yeah. really? So you've got to read Marino Restrepo's story. You've got to read it. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's a I story haven't stopped for the thinking ages. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just beautiful. So I'm going to stop here because we keep talking, but I want to talk to you after. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Christina. Oh, not Christina, Christine. You're welcome, you Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad with names. <laughs> this is totally fine. At least you know my face. No one else does. <laughs> so thank you very much. And I'll put all, everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jessica. You're beautiful.